0: One of the, the big things that kind of um, changed my perspective uh, was making, actually making friends with people of different faiths and different worldviews.
1: Welcome to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Hello and welcome to The Dismantle, a show for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. Each week we attempt to dismantle or take apart an issue that has or has the potential to be problematic within the church by having a dialogue with a guest who has experience with the topic. Now, we're not always going to agree, but we won't argue because the goal is to gain understanding and perspective by sharing our views in a way that builds bridges, not barriers. Our guest this week is Paul Shirillo. Paul is like the Dos Equis man. He is the most interesting man in the world. He has a bachelor's in philosophy and cultural anthropology from Rutgers, completed a Fulbright in Indonesia, earned his master's of science and sociology of education at Oxford, and studied philosophy of ethics and religion on a graduate fellowship at Yale. Currently, he's working at Blue Ridge Therapeutic Wilderness as a field instructor and has halfway through his master's in clinical social work at Columbia University. Over the years, he's served as a teacher, editor, researcher, curriculum developer, humanist chaplain, and youth mentor. To read some of his writings, I recommend looking up some of his articles on Applied Sentience, a national platform for the next generation of humanist thinkers. Paul, welcome to The Dismantle.
0: Uh, hi, Joey. Thanks for having me. Glad uh, to be invited.
1: That is a mouthful, dude. You are, you are <laughs> fascinating.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
1: So let's dive right into it, Paul. How did you get introduced to faith, church? Kind of what's your background with some of the religious stuff?
0: Yeah, um, so I was pretty much born into it, uh, like a lot of people. Um, it was, for the vast majority of my early life, pretty much, pretty much all that I knew, um, I went to church every Sundays, often on Wednesdays, um, Bible studies uh, throughout high school. Um, I went to a summer camp, Camp Iricoina, uh that was very explicitly Christian uh, every summer and, you know, during a lot of weekends throughout the school year, too. Uh, it was pretty much just a... Oh, and then you can believe it, I also went to a private Christian school for... Um, elementary and middle school as well as one year in high school.
1: Okay. And where, I mean, without giving too much away based on the title, uh, where would you, where would you say you're at faith and religion now?
0: Yeah. So I identify as a secular humanist. So that describes like the worldview. Um, I also see, uh, I'm also an atheist. And so that, that just describes, uh, one single kind of belief that I have. Um, You know, you can go into a thousand different directions from that one little belief, Uh, but I generally um, would would fall under what's called a secular humanist.
1: Great. Uh, So our topic today on The Dismantle is that of secular humanism. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, in his book, God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything, is quoted by saying, human decency is not derived from religion, it precedes it. So I so for our listeners Paul how would you define secular humanism in its most basic form
0: um, so my the way that I've always kind of framed it and, and this is after talking with you know a lot of people who identify as secular humanists um, you know reading a lot of literature stuff like that uh, I think the simplest kind of definition you know the the three most basic criteria would be that um, one uh, it has a naturalistic worldview, so that you know everything can be explained through um, looking at the natural world around us. Okay. Uh, so that means that there's no like spiritual heaven, uh, there's no um, God in the classic sense, uh, there's no soul, there many of those types of things uh, would be at best metaphors or simply not used at all uh, by secular humanists. Um, in addition to like a naturalistic worldview, it also has a pro-social ethic, so there are lots of people who, you know, have that naturalistic worldview, but are nihilists, say, and they don't believe in any type of morality. Um, humanists believe, um, and they justify it for a variety of reasons, uh, but they believe in some, some form of pro-social morality, where we have responsibilities towards each other. Uh, compassion and empathy is important. Different virtues like honesty are and important, so on and so forth. Uh, the last kind of thing that I think is really, like, important that kind of Clarifies what it means to be a secular humanist um, would be uh, kind of how we go about uh, thinking and figuring things out in the world. Mm. So most religions have like some kind of um, prophet or holy book or something that they kind of you know can go to to say like oh well, what is it what is it, what do Buddhists what do Christians what do Muslims believe? Um, secular humanists don't have any of that, but instead they have a method. Uh, science and philosophy, namely, um, and through, you know, reasoning about things and empirically uh, observing them, we can figure out more about the world. Um, so that's how, like, most most of the, the aforementioned, you know, morality or naturalistic worldview is kind of explored uh, through that science and philosophy. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it's, it's fairly straightforward. Uh, there aren't any kind of beliefs that are, like, really you know, necessary um, because you don't, you know, go to any book or prophet to look for specific concrete beliefs. It's kind of figured out and debated and argued. Um, Of course, there are lots of things that science and philosophy, um, you know, most people that, that use those methods agree on, you know, for instance, evolution, the vast majority of secular humans believe in evolution, but that's just because there's such a, you know, solid consensus among scientists and, you know, things like that. But yeah, so that so those kind of three principles, um, naturalism, pro-social ethics, and science and philosophy like really define I think what it means to be a humanist. That's
1: that's interesting to me. If if I understand you correctly, something like Christianity would point to a book, point to a prophet, point to a savior, and say this is where we are rooted from, and this is how we should behave. Whereas something more along the lines of humanism is more a fluid thing more of a we we base it on a mindset but it's constantly moving
0: yeah yeah and, and to a certain sense there's there's certainly a kind of fluidity and change over time among uh, Christianity and Buddhism uh, and other religions too but those go with different interpretations of the text um, so there's lots of ambiguity in, in you know a lot of these texts and so when you're faced with different problems or when there's disagreement, you know those will change over time. Uh, just look at how different, you know, Orthodox versus Catholicism versus uh, Protestant is, you know, is, you know, yeah. Um, and so there, but that, but that has to do with differences of interpretation. Uh, whereas, like, you know, you can in science you can have just like, wow, like we have this whole new evidence and that changes the game. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the big differences, though, probably is the kind of, uh, um, trust that you put into it. Mm. Yeah. So like when there, when you have a one end all be all for, for knowledge, you know, some type of divine revelation, um, you know, at best you can interpret it differently, but you're never going to have anything just new.
1: Right. Right. So, so it's limited in its, uh, I don't know what the word is. It, 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 I guess, revelation is probably the best. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with humanism, it's it's constantly evolving.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that there's an important kind of humility that I really like um, that comes from mm. that. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, you can have a, a great degree of like uh, confidence too. You know, I'm not saying that everything's up in the air. Um, you know, if you have, well, you know, lots. We're we're pretty certain about a lot of these basic physical physical laws. Um, about evolution, about uh, you know germ theory, so on and so forth. But you know, there's there's still there's still that uh, kind of you know almost fundamental difference between like the certainty that revelation tries to offer and the um, humility that's kind of built into science and philosophy. That I like.
1: So, how would you say humanism differs from something like agnosticism? Uh, maybe even skepticism where there 's a lot of unknown uh, and and there 's kind of this buffer to say i don 't know uh, and, yeah. and humanism as a framework
0: yeah so uh, I mean humanism um, generally includes both agnosticism and atheism okay. both of those like as I mentioned briefly are just about one kind of single belief you know is there isn 't there a god um and, you know, even, even those terms atheism and agnosticism can be broken down a little bit more. Uh, like you have hard and soft agnosticism where, like, soft agnosticism says, like, I don't know. Maybe I'll know later, but I don't know right mm-hmm. now. I haven't looked into it. Uh, hard agnosticism says, like, no one can know. It's it's unknowable. We don't know one way or another. Okay. Um, and so the, you know, both of those kind of fall under the... Uh, Humanism. When I said humanism has like a naturalistic worldview, um, a lot of that is simply more how you live, say, or what. So if you're if you think that, uh, say, morality or uh, the physical world around us, creation or anything like that has to be created, you know, if you, if you call it creation, if you think it has to be created, then well, that's an argument that God does exist. Um, okay. So if you okay. don't agnosticism, even though it's even though it kind of doesn't say I do in fact believe it still uh says that there can be an explanation for morality in the world around us that doesn't have to do a god and you subsequently live your life like that mm. so that's how I think that they would fall under uh humanism
1: I guess I'm more intrigued uh because we do have history because we do uh know each other from almost a lifetime ago uh what so what drew you to? Humanism, uh, or or specifically secular humanism.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So there were, and we actually, you know, before we were talking about setting this, you know, uh, episode up, we talked about a couple of the reasons. But I have some, I have a couple really big ones. Um, You know, so when I was when I was in college, you know, I was still I towards the end of high school and throughout college. I got much more involved in uh, Christianity and identified very strongly with it and I actually want to be a Christian apologist, um, you know, write like, uh, um, you know, various different, write books and stuff like various different authors and go up and make, you know, have talks and stuff like that. That was kind of like you know, a, little, a, little, a dream of mine or whatnot. So kind of prep for that, uh, I started... Um, yeah. I double majored in cultural anthropology and philosophy. I thought that would give me a really good grounding to be able yeah. to understand where a lot of you know yeah. secular people are coming from, so I can best understand their arguments yeah. and, and best you know uh, dismantle them and discuss yeah. them. Um, and so, as I went through, uh, I saw in the argument. So one one thing is, as I looked at the arguments for evolution, as I looked at you know yeah. the um, problem of different faiths um, you know is, is, is Islam true like what's the evidence for that uh, in comparison to evidence for Christianity as I uh, went through arguments uh, about morality is, and, and so on and so forth none of those really convinced me like I, I slowly saw like oh wow like there are a lot of really good you know arguments for secular ethics and there's a lot of good arguments for evolution and I became much more liberal but one of the the big things that kind of um, changed my perspective uh, was making actually making friends with people of different faiths and different worldviews. Uh, atheists, Hindus, Muslims, um, you know, I tried to explore uh, these worldviews as best I could. You know, I spent uh, a summer abroad in India and I did a South Asian studies minor and um I fasted for Ramadan and, and uh, you know went to various dinners and so forth. Um, some of my best friends were atheists and Hindus and Muslims. Um, and I saw that they uh, they were really honest. They were really honest about their faith. They, they were they you know, did a lot of soul searching. Um, they were just as curious about the you know the truth of the universe um they really looked into them they were you know good honest people uh, they were passionate about their their faith um, passionate about their beliefs uh, and, and so on and so forth you know, um, and that was probably much more convincing to me uh, than a lot of the argument academic arguments that I look through um, yeah and, and there's there is a kind of academic side to it too where, you know, Christianity kind of predicts that uh, God's there and he wants you to know something. He wants you to know some truth about Jesus. Um, he wants you to know that Jesus died first. and all, all, all these kind of basic things. And he wants you to do certain things. He wants you to give your life and, and commit to Jesus and, and Christianity and so forth. Um, and he's there to help you. He's there to make sure that you have uh, sufficient knowledge, experience, whatever it may be, to, to come to those realizations so that you can make an informed decision. <clears throat> um, and then it's up to you once you once you can make an informed decision it's all on you it's your responsibility to accept or deny that free gift um, and it, it seems like you know a lot of these people were were searching and then they made you know an, an honest conclusion um you know some of them are my peers but also a lot of the authors and and you know older adults who had, who had a lifetime behind them as well um and then a lot of historical figures you know for instance Gandhi spent uh studied, you know, for, and, um, his law degree in England and, uh, in his autobiography talks about how he, you know, really investigated Christianity and for various reasons ended up rejecting it in favor of Hinduism. You know, he's a smart man who devoted his life to, um, the being of others and made a thorough investigation and rejected it. Um, and he didn't hold any, you know, he wasn't angry about it, you know, uh, and so, like those those types of things, uh, more or less, can uh, were one of the one of the big steps to kind of say like there's there's something wrong here. Um, and then, kind of after that, one one of the uh, other things that I mentioned to you before was the that it just felt more and more like I didn't uh, need Christianity or theism. Um, that that was like the only way that I could kind of really explain that. Uh, all these different worldviews could be positive and and make sense, uh, but not one you know be right arbitrarily over the others. Uh, and that's that they they have a lot to, of value to add, uh, but you know knowledge is really really difficult, and it's really complicated. Um, and so you even even if you look into it, it's it's um, you can get a lot of different. Uh, perspectives, But what matters at the end is is what you do. And through all these religions, they have some foundation to motivate them for, you know, um, to live good lives. They have – it provides community. It provides, you know, all these, all these basic foundational things. Um, and that those were also found with, with uh, worldviews that didn't, you know, rely on God. Um, and similarly, I found, you know, as I studied evolution, as I studied a range of other things more – Secular ethics is another big one that you that you can explain these things, and that God's just this unnecessary hypothesis that just didn't seem to play any important role. Um, and yeah, so those, so those are probably two of the the kind of biggest uh, you know broad reasons that kind of like push me uh, away from um, religion and towards uh, secular humanism. And, you know, secular humanism is kind of just a more bare bones. Uh, religions as you know I can explain um, everything without the need for one single random um, uh, revelation you know I don't have to I don't have to just fix myself on the Quran or on the Bible or on <clears throat> the teachings of the Buddhists um, I can use my use reason and experience to take what um, what works from all those places you know there's no reason to arbitrarily commit myself to one uh, Similarly, you know, reason and science are sufficient, um, I believe, to figure out the, the world around us. So I don't, if, if those are sufficient, then by definition, I don't need anything else. So the, that that pretty much is sucker humanism for me. and It's a slow, very slow process over, you know, a good half dozen plus years. Uh, and I've been, you know, happy and content with it since.
1: That's awesome. Uh, and I really appreciate uh, the, the articles that you've written, that you've sent to me, and that I've uh, been reading through, that you really help to bring clarity to your worldview. It's it's not just this militant, well, this is who I am, so deal with it. it it's very much uh, uh, coming alongside and trying to explain your worldview. I mean, specifically in your article, Is Humanism a Religion?, uh, which for our listeners is available online at Applied Sentience. You break down how we first need an understanding of what religion means and if it can actually be understood in naturalistic meanings. And the conclusion on that piece uh, at the end of the article is that, no, there is no consensus of what the word religion is defined as because it's a spectrum with different people using it in contradictory ways. Um, To frame a question a little bit, do you find that when you have religious discussions, discussions about religion— that that word changes meaning depending on the individual you're having the conversation with.
0: Uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, it's used very different ways among uh, Christians and members of other religions. It's used very different ways uh, among humanists and among secularists and atheists. Uh, in the article that you mentioned, I kind of like split it up between personal and social definitions, and also between like natural and supernatural definitions. So like the, the personal definitions would be ones that define it in terms of like how an individual um, understands the world and so on and so forth. You know, what do they believe? What are their values? Uh, stuff like that. Okay. But there are also lots of social definitions um, over the, you know, the ages. Uh, you know, William James, um, Varieties of Religious Experience. Uh, you know, talks about this kind of like, it, it's this inner moment of solitude. It's this, uh, it's this kind of like spiritual experience, and that's what religion is all about. Mm. It's like Durkheim, who is one of the founders of sociology, has a much more um, community or social definition, that it's about the beliefs and practices of a group, um, and it's about you know, networks of beliefs. Uh, it's about a story that a group has that defines it you know from the past to the future and so on. So there's a lot of these social elements. Um, and similarly, there are lots of there are lots of definitions where of religion that require a God you know and those definitions Buddhism wouldn't wouldn't uh, kind of fit so that Buddhism and Confucianism would be you know quote unquote philosophies um, And there are other ones again, you know they're much more, kind of naturalistic that you know have, have these kind of um, uh, metaphors for something so yes you know you may need something that's held sacred but you know the American flag is held sacred by a lot of people uh, and they don't believe that it has any like you know I mean some do but you can be patriotic without believing that it has some like eerie metaphysical quality so things can be held sacred in, in, in a naturalistic or more metaphoric sense too um, and religions ne- need not have the kind of spiritual. So there's so there's a lot of disagreement on uh, whether it's personal, whether it's social, whether it's um, requires things like gods and heavens or or not. And uh, so yeah, so the, that that kind of comes out you know a lot in um, uh, kind of classifying uh, humanism. And so my point in that article was that it just depends on what kind of um, definition you're using whether or not a humanistic worldview falls under or not. Yeah, you know? there are different humanistic congregations. Uh, however, most humanists probably would be kind of creeped out by having like a humanist congregation too. And we just, it just there's there's so much variety that it's just it's almost a, uh, I think probably bordering on the useless semantic kind of distinction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: Uh, In a lot of i over it.
1: Um, similarly, I would imagine just as religion means widely different things,
0: yeah.
1: as does the word Christianity, uh, one would assume that humanism also means many things to many people?
0: Yeah, yeah. So there is some dispute about you know, whether to include um, agnostics or just to have atheists uh, you know there's lots of there's lots of people that want to um, kind of fix certain types of beliefs so like you have to believe in uh, naturalistic evolution say um And then there's lots of people that want to make like the the ethical criteria a lot more defined like you have to have a you know be pro-democratic pro-human rights um, even make it that you have to have a, a progressive political agenda in order to be like kind of a humanist. Um, personally, I think that, you know, those are, might be, the, I don't know, it's a little too narrow. I uh, know I don't see any reason to make it more narrow like that. Um, mm-hmm. and there's also some things that are just happenstance. Like it, it's, uh, you know, it, it might be a criteria that you believe in, um, the physical sciences. And right now the physical sciences are in, are in great agreement about evolution, but, I don't see the go, the need to go the extra step and say that you have to believe in evolution, um, mm. but yeah. So there's there's a yeah there, there are some some debates and, and stuff around that. Um, one of another big debate is you know like I said about the kind of uh, social aspect of it, um, whether or not you know humanists should have uh, chaplaincies or um, some type of like you know quote unquote clergy. Um, Sure. Yeah, so that's another thing that is kind, of, kind of a big debate. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm towards the side that I think that we should. It's good to have these institutions. You know, humans are extremely social. And one of the big things that we organize are social groups around our worldview. And in and humans and worldviews. So therefore, having some kinds of institutions and social groups is, is important.
1: Now, the term secular humanism has two obvious words within it, secular and humanism. Mm -hmm. Uh, The former has been used within my understanding to differentiate between the religious realms. Anytime I've heard the word secular, it's usually been applied to music, uh, which has been an underlying tone of that's the devil's music. Uh, But is there a difference between secular humanism and religious humanism?
0: Uh, yeah, no, there is. Um, but it's kind of like a, a historic distinction now. Uh, way back, I don't know, however many decades ago, you know, some people would identify as secular humanists and some people identify as religious humanists. And the secular humanists would be the ones that kind of went on the, the, the direction of like, uh, we don't need any um, congregations or uh, anything that resembles clergy or anything like that. Whereas religious humanists did, you know, they liked those religious structures and they said, we can just have uh, humanistic versions of these structures. Um, uh, The religious humanists lost that kind of battle um, uh, through a lot of reasons. A big one was the uh, the McCarthyism that associated atheism with uh, communism. And, you know, so there's this huge dip in people who identify as atheists because they didn't want to be identified as communists too. And so this kind of more explicit religious humanism um, kind of died away a good bit. Uh, And now, you know, you have a lots of, you know, there are a lot of um, humanist chaplaincies that have sprouted up at, you know, uh, Harvard, Yale, Rutgers, uh, Columbia, um, NYU, a bunch of others. And, but those, those people, so those are, you know, very, it's, it's a chaplaincy, you know, it's a a very, um, religiousy type of, uh, organization and yet they identify as secular humanists now just because that's, you know, the direction it goes. So, so there's not really much of a a distinction in practice anymore. Um, the, but that's, that's just kind of like a, a a historical note. Um, Yeah. yeah, The term "secular" is also like pretty widely debated too, because you know, and, and the U.S. as a secular nation just means that the it doesn't define itself in terms of any one religion. So you know, the U.S. government is not Christian, not Muslim, not whatever. It's just secular. Now it could be made up of 100 percent of Christians, but the the members are Christian, and the government itself is is not. Um, now that wouldn't describe humanism though, because the you know it's used in a slightly different kind of way. Uh, just meaning that you know they're, they're um the individuals and the and the structure itself uh, don't have any like classically religious elements, and so it's it's semantic muddy water. But that's you know a short version of it.
1: Sure. So, yeah. Now. Based on the research that I've done for our conversation, if I understand it correctly, secular humanism advocates for a non-religious lifestyle.
0: Is that correct? Um, I mean, hi- historically, that was the distinction between secular humanism and religious humanism. But that, that distinction has faded. Um, and secular humanists uh, are very pro separation of church and state in, in, the, um, in like the, the constitution. Uh, in the, you know, where governments run. Um, and so that, you know, taking out religious elements of, uh, um, you know, think, things that are only um, uh, argued for using religious things. So you, you can't you can't say, like, we should have this law because it's in the Bible, uh, the same way that we shouldn't say you, you should have this law because it's in the Quran. Um, yeah, yeah we, should, we should take out both. We should say we should use uh, things that we have in common. We hold reason in common. Every religion likes reason. Every religion likes evidence-based arguments. Um, we should be using those instead, um, instead of one arbitrary book or a prophet. And so, secular like humanists still advocate that. Uh, that's pretty consistent. Um, but in terms of you know their life, you know a lot of, uh, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people either go to you know. Uh, secular humanist communities, Um, or they'll just take some stuff uh, from uh, other religions, you know, like Christmas. Um, So they can, tons of them still celebrate Christmas. Um, Or they'll use some of things metaphorically. Uh, I actually have a statue of uh, Sarasvati, the goddess of, uh, the Hindu goddess of education. Um, Education, poetry, writing, and... Yeah, I don't believe it's, Sarasvati is a real being, but I like you know I, I enjoy the stories. Um, I take some nice metaphors from that, and having that kind of physical representation in my home is a kind of visual reminder of those values for me. Uh, so, so yeah, so it's a kind of mix and match thing, and you, um, and there can certainly be religious elements in secular humanists' lifestyle.
1: So, growing up in a conservative family and church setting. For me personally, there was always a verse, there was always a framework for every single situation. Regardless of what was happening, there was always, well, this affer- this verse applies to that. Yeah. And and so that began to frame my mentality to think that everyday normal issues and circumstances were solely spiritual in nature. Um and this manifested itself specifically when it came to death. Um So I guess my question w- would be how does a humanist view and grapple with the reality of death?
0: Yeah. So let me, um, yeah, no, I I totally, I totally understand where you're coming from saying that like the verse and framework for every situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean that kind of relates a little bit to what I was saying before about how I slowly realized that, you know, I don't need, um, this Christian, uh, explanation to understand uh, this or that situation, um, and to also understand it in a, in a fulfilling, you know, way too. Right. So, and I think death is is certainly one of them. Uh, you know, you there you can understand death, uh, and you can have a fulfilling, enriching understanding of these kinds of concepts and situations uh, without the need for heavens, hells, souls, gods, punishments, you know, so on and so forth. So, I mean, there's so many different questions around death. Um, I think one of the most interesting is is, uh, um, death and morality. You know, a lot of Christians see death as a kind of, uh, you know, something where we all end up, it equalizes everyone, and then God has a chance to punish. You know, we get our just desserts in heaven and hell right um you know whether that's restricted to all the sin we do or the or just the one thing that you know uh, ultimately matters accepting these gifts um but i don't see that you know there is there is nothing afterwards for a humanist where someone is you know punished or not and you know we could sit on our butts and and say like oh everything's unfair you know we you know, I want uh, it's better if we have this fiction and we believe it and so on and so forth. But I actually think that that's not the case. Um, I actually find a lot of personal motivation uh, knowing that, you know, there is no necessary, you know, arbiter that, that no one can escape. And and that pushes me to do a lot more in this life. It pushes me to make sure that we have good laws that are just, um, that, you know, make sure that people who are cheating the system don't get away with it and make sure that people that are uh, raping and pillaging and so forth, you know, don't get away at the end of the day because, um, you know, if we don't do it, if we don't work together, then it's not going to get done. All right? And so I, I think that that's a really important motivation, uh, at least for me and can be for, for others. Um, you know, same thing with, you know, what I do with my life here and now, you know, the, I just don't see any. I don't see any value in um, in eternity. You know, if, there, if there's always a chance to do something later, there's no there's no urgency, no interest in it. And having a limited time where I can do things, um, you know, makes those moments that I have more important. I have to get I have to get you know this done now. Uh, or similarly, like the the value of spending time with another person. Or the value of um, eating a delicious meal in eternity. Like I'll have endless delicious meals. You know, if I don't have one now, I'll have one later. And I'll spend endless moments with with these other people. Uh, but knowing that I have, I have only a finite amount of delicious meals and um, you know close friendships makes me cherish those all the more. Sure. Uh, so so each moment that I spend with a friend or or eat a, a good hamburger makes it. Makes it smell sweeter, um, so I think that that death can be a, just this very enriching idea, um, in a sense, uh, for for humanists. And yeah, that's how I guess I would I would construe uh, it. Mm,
1: it's very interesting. I, I like that idea of placing value on things, and 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 your value changing based on recognizing the time that you do have. Yeah. I like that. Uh, reading your article was mind-blowing and, and just in, in complete transparency. Uh, you're, you're very articulate, and I love how you closed the article by saying, at the end of the day, we need to respect how people self-identify. Um, have you encountered tolerance and acceptance with, Maybe it's people from your past. Maybe it's family members. Uh, I mean, have people been more aggressive with you when it comes to religious discussions?
0: Um, yeah. Uh, you know, there's... You'll find people in every uh, faith and worldview that um, have problems respecting other ideas, um, are less tolerant. Um, and I think that ultimately comes from people just who are just kind of unsure in what they're coming from, sure. too. And... But I think there is, one, there is kind of one big distinction uh, where um, a lot of humanists that have gone to mean, you know, a lot of atheists, there's just the angry atheist kind of thing and I think that's the feeling of growing up in a Christian world and then, and then feeling like you're almost lied to. Um, so kind of barring that angry, atheist, a- angry atheism, uh, a lot of humanists ultimately focus more on Uh, Deeds Uh, Deed over creed Is is the motto The official motto Of uh, ethical culture Which is a humanist um, Network of societies And so like That's the focus on Like I I care what you do You know At the end of the day I care what you do Um, Our beliefs obviously um, Impact greatly What we do But if you're out there You know Feeding Clothing The homeless Because you believe You know It's it's, uh, what God wants you to do Versus, you know, if, you, if you're out there feeding clo- clothes to the homeless because you believe that, um, you know, you uh, get a compassion kick of adrenaline and, and good feelings. <laughs> Versus if you do it because you feel that we have a responsibility as a society because you might find yourself there yourself um, in that position yourself. Like there, so there's lots of, you know, various reasons you might be able to do it. But a humanist ultimately cares that you do it, um, that you're out there doing good things that you're being honest and passionate and so forth um, but that's not not the case with a lot of uh, christians and this is um and there's lot that you can be respectful obviously and still have these arguments about you know well you need to believe that jesus is god you know or else you're going to hell um and you know i don't care if you are the best person in the world i don't care if you're uh, Mahatma Gandhi, yeah, yeah. He, he Gandhi's going to hell. Like there are lots of Christians who believe that, and so therefore it's not it's not deed over creed. Yeah, you know? it's the creed is the most important, what you believe. Um, and so that I think creates a lot more conflict. Um, I mean, if they're right, then you know if they're right. You know, Gandhi's going to hell. But you know, assuming that, that that minority viewpoint doesn't happen to have it correct, then you know that's ultimately creating more conflict. And you can obviously have, like I said, those those discussions in a very respectful way. And I have had a lot of those discussions in a very respectful way with Christians. Uh, But, um, anyways, I do think that that's a a little bit of a a difference. Uh, The a more kind of concrete example of this is when I um, was doing this weekend training with uh, the Interfaith Youth Corps. The They had a lot of different uh, students and chaplains coming together to do this kind of like interfaith dialogue, training thing uh, at NYU. And the two biggest groups that had the most conflict were uh, the atheists, the ones that identified as atheists and the ones that identified as evangelical Christians. Mm. As for those two groups, you know, creed was the most important thing. Whereas all the other ones, you know, the, a lot of the Muslims, they, they're... <laughs> You know, it can be just as just as uh, fundamentalist about uh, creeds and beliefs, but well, in, in the U.S. at least, you know, it was those two groups uh, that just wanted to turn this you know dialogue working together into a kind of academic argument. <laughs> um, I found that really interesting, but but anyway, uh, yeah, I think that's I think that um, playing that tolerance and, and respect is uh, certainly something that we all need to work on, but in a kind of way also one of the things that um, I do like about is kind of, I believe is built into humanism too.
1: And if a listener was interested in learning more about humanism, Paul, what resources would you direct them to?
0: Uh, there are lots of books. Um, and things like that, you know, you can just kind of do some Google searches, but I would definitely recommend looking up the, the humanist manifesto. So the humanist manifesto was started like, I don't know how many, uh, decades ago. Um, and it's gone through three or four different editions. Uh, and so I really love it. It has this little preamble, um, for each of them that says like, "Eh, you know, these are what humanists believe. It's probably going to change a little bit the specific the specifics of it, and you know every humanist that was part of drafting this and writing it, you know, no one disagree no one agreed on everything. There's lots of disagreement on each point, but this is generally what we all agree is kind of like uh, what makes a humanist a humanist. Um, and you know, as I mentioned before, you know, I, I have three things that I think are like the basic necessary criteria. But the Humanist Manifesto goes into a lot more detail, uh, so they would include like not just like a pro social no. ethic. But they would also say that you know humanists are believe in democratic values and human okay. rights. Um, we we'll go into more specifics about that, and uh, they're really interesting. Very short; they're only like you know a few few short pages, um, you know, in bullet points as well. And uh, I think looking over that is a really interesting um, snapshot of uh, you know what humanism has been as like a public document, and also how it's changed a bit over time too. Um, so I, I start off with that. I think that the humanist manifestos will be really good. And then just doing like a you know Google search on Amazon. Um, uh, nothing's really popping into my mind right now. But
1: even, even just talking with you for the last however long we've been talking, it seems like it's not really something that you can just academically dive into, but it's more an experience and it's more a, a, a lifetime of of searching for Morality and and how you live out your life.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I would I would definitely uh, definitely say for this for any religion, um, you know, get to know the people that subscribe to it. Um, you know, go to meetings, uh, discussion groups online if you there's none near you, uh, stuff like that, and actually ask people and ask a wide diversity of people too. I think that's probably the best way to it's know anything by far. Um, Another thing is that you know, like I like I mentioned, a lot of uh, humanism, you know, grounds its beliefs in in science and um, philosophy. So just reading some uh, books that don't identify as humanist at all, but do get into you know secular uh, ethics and morality um, or into naturalistic understandings of the world. Uh, read a lot of those books. Um, and that's that's probably a good way to to get into it as well.
1: Thanks for that, uh, Paul. As we close, interestingly enough, this show is is aimed at the church having healthy dialogues and and discussions. And and I take it you don't attend church regularly, if at all, <laughs> just to get Not just to get a laugh no. out of you. Um, but what's something yeah. that you'd like to share with the church? Maybe something that they need to understand from someone in your position uh, that they've never understood before.
0: So when you have these discussions with people, um, well, sorry, when, when Christians have uh, these discussions with atheists, agnostics, humanists, you know, see them as coming from a place of... of um, of honesty, Hmm. where they, they are doing it to justify some, you know, internal anger towards God or to justify their, uh, you know, immoral wants, you know, for sex and drugs and, you know, not having to listen to authority, um, take away all those kinds of rationalizing explanations for their belief and just see them as being honest, that they honestly believe that like, yeah, no, I don't think there's a God. Or honestly believe that, like, yeah, no, I think you can you can live a moral life and have a foundation of morality without, um, you know, divine commandments. And then honestly try to explore where, where they're coming from. Um, and yeah, and their arguments might be silly, but, uh, you know, just just uh, honestly explore that because it's there's nothing more disrespectful than just kind of assuming that the atheist in front of you believes what they do for some kind of you know personal reason, as opposed to honestly working through and thinking about these things in a uh, in a serious kind of way.
1: That's a great word, man. Thank you. Uh, where can people find you online if they wanted to connect with you? Maybe some of your writings, uh, anything you're you're into right now? Where can people find you?
0: Um, so I haven't written any articles in, in a long time, uh, but you can read some of my, I think I haven't read anything there in on applied sentience for two or three years. Uh, but I do have a bunch of articles there. Um, uh, I would also just suggest, you know, looking me up on Facebook and sending me a private message. I'd be more than happy to, you know, have some of these discussions. I, I really enjoy them. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm also around, uh, New York city. I'm spending the summer in Georgia at the blue Ridge wilderness, uh, therapy of wilderness, like you mentioned. And, but I'll be back in, um, Brooklyn in September and I'd be happy to get a beer too.
1: Well, again, dude, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you
0: for uh, inviting me. And it was a great discussion.
1: That wraps up this episode of The Dismantle. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode, the topic discussed, and ways that we can continue to create community. Write us an email about future topics that you'd like to hear on the show at dismantlepod at gmail.com. Until next time, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. You've been listening to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Visit us at dismantlepod.com.